reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City. It's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Five days down to the 2012 Australian Open. I am Ed McGrogan here with Steve Tigner for our daily Aussie Open podcast. Uh, the session just wrapped up a few minutes ago. Uh, the last match was technically a lead knot, uh, three love retirement advancing, but the, the bigger night match took place beforehand. Um, Steve, you just wrote about it. Bernard Tomich getting by Alexander Dolgopolov in five sets. Um, you know, a, a sort of a crowning moment, I think, uh, of his really still young career. You just wrote about it, just saw it. Um, for everybody that hasn't had a chance to look at it, um, why don't you just sum up what you saw there? Yeah, well, it was a great match. One of those matches that um, everyone had looked forward to that, you know, usually you can expect that to be a dud if that happens. But this one actually was, I'd say, was better than we expected. It was really like Tomich said it was like looking into a mirror afterward. And, and it really was like two guys with a ton of spin, a ton of um, touch, feel. You know, both guys can really do everything. Um, Doug Opelov is the was the bigger hitter. Um, he sort of controlled the rallies when he wanted to. Tomich is the smarter and craftier player, the tougher competitor, and that you know that person is going to win. I think is going to win most of the time, and he did. He found a way in a crucial third set tiebreaker to come back um, from three five down, and then he found a way in the fifth set to kind of stop Bogopolov's momentum. I was you know I was impressed by Tomich's ability to. We think of him as a pretty passive player, and he is. He wants to suck the other guy in to sort of slice rallies and he did that with Doug Opelow. But then when he needed to, when he when he that wasn't working for me, he went on the attack and he made that work. So that's you know, that's pretty impressive overall. Doug Opelow, on the other hand, it just it's you know, it's just too bad for that with that guy. He's such a great player to watch. Whenever you talk to tennis people or hear real tennis people talk when they watch him, people are just amazed by what he can do. And it's just too bad that he isn't the competitor that somebody like Tomich is. Yeah, he does seem to get into ruts uh, that he can't really get himself out of for really extended stretches of time. And um, but but today in the best of five format, like uh, like you said, you know he he finds a wind in the four set and just sort of shows off everything about what his game has there uh, for, for both of those guys, what you, what you're mentioning, you know, to the quality of the match, um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of slice talking about a lot of really nifty shots, but both guys, it seemed like were you know, pulling the trigger when they wanted to. And it was less about, you know, if, if there was errors made, it was really as a result of, a you know, a 15, 20 shot rally, which was almost the norm. And we just saw, you know, so many, so many good things out of these two, out of these two players that we're probably going to be seeing for quite a while on the Grand Slam stage. Yeah, I think it's something where, you know, people say that, you know, men's tennis is very similar, tennis in general, it's all the same. Uh, and, you know, we've seen some of that at this tournament, and it's been true. But this was a, you know, this was a night when you could, you could really say that that wasn't true. People can still play this type of game. There's still a lot of creativity, uh, you know, among younger guys and they can succeed with it and um, you know they it was a strange match in that there was no real momentum that that either guy could get I guess that's that's what you would expect from guys that are 
sort of shot makers who can go hot and cold. But um, when you know when you put the whole thing together as a whole, you know, it's definitely it has to stand as the match of the tournament so far, along with along with the Isner Nalbandian match. Yeah, absolutely. While we're talking about Aussies, uh, there is still a chance that uh, they could actually have two players in the final 16. A uh, Hewitt's going to go up tomorrow against Milos Raonic, another um, very young, in, the, in this sort of same class of young players as Tomic and Dolgopolov for different reasons, but having so much success on his own. Um, Mer, or excuse me, Hewitt. Uh, defeated Roddick only in head play three sets because Roddick retired. Um, what do you see for this match? And do you give Hewitt, you know, any sort of realistic shot? Um, you know, just what do you see between these two? Yeah, I think Hewitt has a chance. There's, you know, there, there's an interesting thing going on with the Aussies. They're sort of crowning Tomich, but I feel like Hewitt is the guy who's really getting, who's really getting the benefit, really getting the, the love from the crowd. He hasn't always gotten that. And now, you know, this is his, something like his 15th or 16th Australian Open. He's clearly, you know, on the way down, if not on the way out. Uh, and there's definitely a big, you know, people are rallying around him. I think, I think that night session will help. He's always had a great return to serve. Not that he's going to be, not that Ramage isn't going to ace him, you know, 40 times. But, um, but yeah, I think he has a chance. Ramage likes this place, but he, but he plays a lot of close sets. Ramos doesn't blow people out in general, good players. So, um, so I think Hewitt will be able to hold and maybe takes you know his chances with his return. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you know maybe Ramos is just have, will have too much too much for him overall. But I, I think it could be a close match. Yeah, this is also going to be probably the biggest spotlight we've seen on Ramos to date. He. It made it such a last year at the Aussie was a big surprise his run there and um, had the, obviously the great start but but didn't have much in the slams after because of injury so we'll see how he kind of handles that stage as well too so I guess you could say you know a night after it could be interesting if he wins you know you would say night after Tomich wins and then Ramich comes out and if he wins there's that's definitely a sense of of a, you know this new group slowly making their way, uh, making their way upward, you know, making their way further along. This was the group that sort of started last year at the Australian Open, maybe pushing a little further this time. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point to make. Um, the old guard, Nadal, Federer, earlier today, um, both those two get by in straight sets under different circumstances. Nadal. Uh, has a a pretty easy match against Lucas Laco two four and two, um, and it it seems like a little while at this at this point that we're talking about Rafa's uh, Rafa's knees or whatever. But this was a very comfortable match. Laco I actually thought um, from watching him previously may have may give may have given Nadal a little bit of trouble. But Nadal really took him out of the game pretty quickly, and then Federer played Karlovich. Um, very close opening set, as close as you can get. Federer needed to save a set point and did so with uh, uh, he lobbed a six foot ten guy, and no easy task there. And then the rest of the match was, you know, far from just a clean slate. It was still very close the rest of the way. But both of those two get through, and like uh, should be mentioned, they're in the same side of the group. So, yeah, probably the Federer shot. Uh, that's probably the you know we talked about the match of the tournament. That's probably the shot of the tournament. Putting together how 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 um, strange and sort of gutsy it was, and also with 
the fact that it came on such a huge point, a set point that if Federer loses that set to Karlovich, it's just you know that's just not what he wants to do because um, he really he can only lose in a tiebreaker. But Karlovich somehow missed that overhead, even though he probably he probably just mistimed it. But but the shot was amazing. The Federer could could run up so close to the net, flip up a ball uh, straight up to the point where Karlovich couldn't get it, put on the brakes at set point. So um, you know that's of those two matches, that's probably the one. The one moment to you know the two the Nadal and Federer matches that's probably the one moment we'll remember from those two particular matches. Otherwise, pretty routine. Yeah, let's close here with the women as well. And I think sort of a, a general view is needed here today. We had wins by Wozniacki, Azarenka, um, Kim Kleisters, Lee Na, and Lee and Kleisters are actually going to play each other next round. Uh, this this side of the bracket is without Serena, without Kvitova, which I think were the two players that you were um, mostly debating about as to who would win this tournament before it started and even as it started. Um, out of this half of the draw uh, of these players here, has it been one that's impressed you a little more up to this point or one that you think will make the final of those four? It's tough. You know, watching as a ranker today, you know, it's just tough to say with her. She's got a. She's, she's probably got the most solid game, and in her new kind of mentally stable state, is maybe the least likely to throw in a total, you know, a total bomb, uh, the way uh, Kvitova almost did yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if Azarenk has the upside, the ability to really sort of take control of a match the way those other women can. Kleisters is still that person in the side of the draw. Wozniacki can't do that as good as Azarenka's gotten. She, that's not her really her game. Um, Kleister's has it on them athletically, even though she's obviously she's older and she's, she's also on the way out. So, um, so I don't know. The, the upside of Kleister's is very high, but she can also, we've seen her, we've seen her just totally go walkabout, as they say. Um, but I'm going to, I'll just say Azarenka for the moment, just because of her, her for sort of um, new general sense of confidence. I think she has a good shot to make the final. Okay. All right. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's podcast, we will go over the next day's action, of course, and look ahead to a couple days from now, you know, this Lee Kleister's match as well as Federer Tomich. We should mention that Tomich's win means he gets to play Federer in a couple of days. So uh, you'll hear all about him very, very soon. So uh, thanks again for listening. Ed McGrogan and Steve Tickner. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.